when I started listening to podcasts in like 2005, I was like, wow, you, why aren't there any adult bedtime story podcasts? There's all like, not in podcasting, but you know, there's a lot of guided meditations and nature sounds and serious things, but I just didn't feel like there was anything that was like fun and relaxing and silly. And so I was like, I was like, oh, maybe I can make that. But my internal critic for a long time got the best of me. I was like, no, 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 don't make that. That's too embarrassing. Don't do it. Don't do it. Podcast Junkies, episode 166. Back to the interviews. Last week was something different. It was my four-year anniversary of Podcast Junkies, episode 165. Check that out if you haven't gotten some amazing feedback Folks like Zach and Patrick and uh, and Quessy and a lot of people that were listening to it really uh, liked it a lot. Colleen, thank you so much, even though I mispronounced her last name. <laughs> she reached out to me, so it was really fun to hear that feedback from all my friends and new people alike. Uh, obviously, if you started with that, that would be an interesting episode to get the overview and then maybe make it, let you decide which images, which images, which um, episodes. I just finished doing some design work, so that's on top of my mind. Which episodes you would go back and check out? So we're back into the schedule of uh, having conversations with amazing uh, podcasters and with dogs barking in the background, and that's just the podcast junkies' way. If you are new. And this it, this one is your first episode. Then I love conversations with uh, the likes of the people I I have on today. Uh, it's Drew Ackerman, host of the Sleep with Me podcast. We really have an interesting conversation. We start off by talking through the first time he discovered podcasts and what he did to actually learn the craft once he was in and to get himself more involved um, in the industry. He had an aha moment when he decided to start his Sleep with Me podcast, and we talk about that. We get into family a little bit, and he's got a a, a dynamic that he talks about growing up with five siblings. I can relate, as I have three siblings myself. We discussed the importance of promoting your content, and when people outside of the the podcasting space started taking notice of his show, he lets us know what what are some of the nicest pieces of feedback he's received so far, and we get into sponsorship as well, because this idea of him having Casper as his sponsor, it's a mattress company, I just think it's so perfectly aligned with what the show is. He talks about who he looks to for guidance and his experience at PodCon because he went as well and I've heard interesting things and so it's interesting to get his take. We obviously talk through the most misunderstood thing about him and something he's changed his mind about recently. So a really fantastic conversation. I really enjoyed this a lot. Stay to the end of the episode where I reveal this week's retention hashtag, but let's jump into it. It's been a couple of weeks since you had an interview like this. Drew's great. Let's do this. So Drew Ackerman, host of Sleep With Me, thank you so much for joining us on Podcast Junkies. Thanks so much for having me on, Harry. It's uh, great to be here. Great to see you uh, again recently at uh, PodFest, too. How important, because of the, the lives we live as podcasters, like so insular sometimes with what we're doing, how important are these conferences for you? You know, they're really important for me, uh, not just to uh, get outside of like the insular world of podcasting, uh, but also to get outside of my head, like I tend to be a really uh, shy person and I kind of a lot of times imagine like, oh, no, I, that's not something for me or I don't need to uh, go to just to connect with people. And I get really nervous. And it was last year at PodFest that Chris K gave me a call and he was just like, hey, I'd love for you to just come 
And I was like, I don't know, like, won't there be a lot of like sales stuff? And, and, and I was like, yeah, it's probably not for me. And he's like, oh, just come, man. Like, just see what it's like. And I stepped outside of my comfort zone and I'm really thankful for that. Like uh, just the connections I made in friendships and just seeing all of the good in podcasting and all of the diversity, it, it just reinvigorates me. And yeah, it keeps you connected that it's like, oh, it's not just me that's working so hard. It, it's thousands and thousands of other people that, that are really working hard to uh, make their podcasts and put them out in the world. Yeah, I think we ended up sitting next to uh, each other last year. I think it was for Ken Blanchard's talk or one of them. And I was like, oh, it's true. <laughs> so it's, you never know. And it's sometimes the hallway conversations that are like the most memorable. Yeah, and it's just so nice to see people like uh, like like seeing you like last time I was like, oh, like I've enjoyed so many of your interviews. So it was like just so fun to put a face to a voice and say, okay, this is a real human being. Because sometimes you can, I don't know, when you're listening to a podcast, it, it can be a little surreal sometimes too. What's been the, the, the most surprising reaction someone has had when they've tried to put together like who they've heard on, on your show because they're your voice and then when they finally meet you in person? <laughs> Yeah, it can be, it, it could get a lot of different reactions because I think with my show, particularly, it's a habitual thing and people may listen night after night and they develop an image of me that's comforting and it's their image of what's comforting about the show. And I really like for a long time, I've resisted uh, having any images of me out there or anything because I didn't want to um, like create any dissonance with that imagery. But at some point, it just became impossible. So yeah, sometimes people are like, oh, I pictured you with this giant flowing beard. Or, oh, I pictured you like 30 years older. And uh, I always take it. They're always like, oh, does that hurt your feelings? I'm like, no, no, no. I'm like, as long as you could keep using the podcast and it keeps working, it's fine. Like, it, I understand the theater of the mind. And uh, so, so it's just funny, like... When you hear people like what they uh, like a double rainbow guy, I don't even remember yeah, if you yeah, remember of him. Course. I love that. A guy. couple of people were like, "Oh, I thought you were just like double rainbow guy," and uh, that that makes me just yeah, cracks me up. I have to put a, sh a link in the show notes to the double rainbow guy. I mean, he's he's the gift that keeps on giving, <laughs> and there's nothing better than showing that video to someone who's never seen it. They just they just like they just sit there and just amazed. Right, you need to go back to it like every four years. It, it, it still works; it's magic. Yeah. So yeah, click on the link right now in the show notes and do yourself a favor. Yeah, and get sucked into the double rainbow rabbit hole. <laughs> when when was the first time you became aware of like the world of podcasting? I, it was probably like two thousand five, maybe or two thousand four or oh, wow. five. Like I remember just hearing. I was like using RSS to like read a lot of blog stuff yeah. and. Uh, I started hearing about these audio shows and, and that it wasn't streaming radio that you could download. And I was like, oh, man, that sounds so cool. And so it was a little bit after there was a couple online directories of podcasts. And I just started downloading shows and checking them out. I remember there's a show, I think it's still on the air, called Coverville. Okay. And he just does uh, a themed episode about song covers and plays different covers of songs and then there was a Ricky Gervais podcast that was really big. Dawn and Drew mm -hmm. uh, was another kind of comedy podcast. And then just all these like deep dive podcasts about people's uh, hobbies and stuff. And I was like, holy cow, this is just such a cool thing. And, and people are doing podcasts about everything. And it was such a contrast to radio. And I had a driving job. 
So it was like, oh man, I can listen to these. And it just gave me a breath of fresh air and made the time go by so much faster. So that's 2005. When did you start dabbling in the world of podcasting yourself? 2013. <laughs> 2013. So okay. it took me a little while. <laughs> it took a little I, bit. I, I, yeah, I had the idea early on, but I was just scared. Uh, and it just kind of seemed like something like, oh, you want to make a bedtime story podcast for adults? That's a ridiculous idea. And you don't know how to make a podcast. And you don't like you've never performed on the mic before. And so I'll be like, OK, yeah, you're like, <laughs> you're right. That's a bad idea. And I just kept put, putting it off and brushing the idea under the rug, uh, but still consuming podcasts and enjoying them. And I think there was a mystique at the beginning, even though there was like all this fact that you could do a podcast about everything. I let myself can be like, oh, well, I can't do it, Yeah. which I know you're you're someone that empowers people to make podcasts. And, and it's like when you see the other side of it, that it is hard work, but it's something anyone can learn if you set to it or you work with people that can help you fill in your experience gaps. It, it's just such a wonderful, wonderful medium. And so who were some of the, the, the people early on who were, you know, I guess, helping you, holding your hand, so to speak, and gu guiding you through the, through the process? You know, I'm pretty stubborn. So I, I was like listening, like, I, I'm not one to ask for help, really. Okay. But so I think I was like lurking on forums and seeing it and learning from other people's questions and listening to uh, like Dave Jackson's podcast oh, yeah. and Ray Ortega's podcast and Daniel Lewis's podcast uh, just the, searching the, what do they on call them? They call them the, the four, uh, there's, uh, who's one more, there's one more, they call them the, the three or four horsemen of podcasting or <laughs> something like that. <laughs> well, yeah, because just, of, because of podcasters roundtable, Ray's always got those guys on there. Right. And, and then just Googling like, oh, how do you do this? Uh, why, why won't my audacity like save or, or, you know, just uh, slowly learning. Uh, but when I started, I was releasing uh, as, as I was learning which I think is different for everybody, but mm -hmm. I was lucky that I just, at some point, was like, okay, let's just start making this podcast and let's just start putting it out there. Do you remember where you were when you when you when you got the aha moment for what this like what your show was going to be about? You know, I don't remember where I was when I was like had the aha moment for what it was about, but I remember the aha moment when I decided to start it. Uh, okay. There was a transit strike here in the Bay Area, and just with the trains, so I had to take a bus to work. And it was like an hour and a half bus ride and everybody was on this bus and it was packed. And I'd been working on this, uh, writing this kind of YouTube series with these two other people and it wasn't going well. And we were texting each other and we were in this huge fight and, and we, were, we were like uh, about getting it done. And I was adamant, like, I'm like, if we don't start making this, I'm done. And I was on the bus and it was a very heated argument via text and it, halfway through the bus ride, I was like, that's it. Like, I'm not working on this anymore. And the other guy was like, uh, not happy. Yeah, like kind of like a band breaking up. Yeah, yeah. And, and after I sat down, I was kind of relieved because I was like, oh, this isn't, wasn't going great. Uh, but I had set a time aside a ton of time to write on that project and stuff. And as I just sat there on the bus, this part of me was like, hey, why don't you start that podcast about putting people to sleep, the bedtime story podcast. You have the time already set aside and i was like whose voice is that like i was like w like i don't have healthy thoughts like this like wh who's talking uh but it was like as soon if you don't plug that into that time slot that time's just gonna vanish hmm. and i was like you know what you're right like i'll just start making it 
And I don't know if it was like ignorance or uh, fate, but I was like, okay. And like literally the next day I was like, okay, how do you make a podcast? But it sounds like that idea had been brewing for a while. Yeah. Like I've always, when I was a kid, I had trouble sleeping okay. and I shared a room with my, one of my brothers and I was, I'm the oldest of six kids. So we were always telling each other goofy stories and then when I was in relationships, I loved telling like long meandering bedtime stories or if me and my friends would go camping, I would just make up improv stories like uh, that were just like the podcast, like kind of made sense, were kind of funny, uh, but also like took a real security, like a circular route to get to the point. Yeah. And uh, so when I started listening to podcasts in like 2005, I was like, wow, you why aren't there any adult bedtime story podcasts? There's all like not in podcasting, but you know, there's a lot of guided meditations and nature yeah. sounds and serious things, but I just didn't feel like there was anything that was like fun and relaxing and silly. And so I was like, I was like, Oh, maybe I can make that. But my internal critic for a long time got the best of me. I was like, no, 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 don't make that. That's too embarrassing. Don't do it. Don't yeah. do it. Was it, it seems like there's always been a creative streak just from the, the, the types of things you're describing like this always since you were little like this this aspect of you that's always like tried to like cre create stuff. Is, is that accurate? Yeah, I think that's like another streak that runs through podcasters is like I can remember being in my bedroom and recording my voice and recording audio commercials and and t talk shows of like, hey, we're back at the, uh, La it's the Lego cat. It wasn't a cast back then, but it'd be like the Lego show. The Lego show, I'm, yeah. Yeah, I'm here interviewing Legos. Uh, how do you feel about having six pips on your head, sir? <laughs> and uh, So I think like if you look back, it's like, it's something I always enjoyed listening to audio and uh, and playing around with it. And, and podcasting is very similar to playing around as a kid sometimes. How important was the the family dynamic? And the reason I ask is, I mean, I'm, I'm uh, I have three siblings, so you know, relatively you know, decent sized family, and you've got <laughs> six to, all together. So, is, I mean, I get the sense there's always like the comp a little bit of friendly competition, and and so you know, what was that dynamic like? Yeah, I think one good thing about being in a big family is like uh, there's a diversity of styles. And so your like your parents' expectations could be a little bit more open of like, oh, I don't think my parents had a, a huge like expectations for me to be super successful growing up or be a business person. I mean, they're probably relieved I made it to being a grown up. <laughs> but so I, I think like and then you as you get as you grow, grow up and you watch your other siblings kind of take their own creative path. Yeah. You kind of see some people have a calling really early on and they know where they're going and then other people kind of don't know where they're going. And that was always the case for me. It's like, huh, what do I want to do or what, what works or what, what feels good or, or what am I good at? And so I think like having a contrast, but having siblings where you're like, okay, I've gotten through this and they've gotten through this and we're all going our own way gives you some reassurance. I guess that you're not alone in the universe or something like that. It who from like your because we have these like periods like you know we have our high school friends and we have our college friends and who do you think right now has or has been like the most surprised at where you've ended up i guess like all, all the people i'm close to they laugh like you're laughing now yeah. when, like if they haven't heard about the podcast 
they're like, so what do you do now? And I'm like, well, I make this bedtime story podcast and they're like figures like, okay. Like, like anybody that like I'm close to, they're not surprised. Like they're like, yeah, I figured we'd be doing something strange like that. Like, uh, so it kind of fits my personality. Uh, but then they're like, wait a second. Like, like, uh, t- tell me more. Or they're yeah. like, Oh, so it's not too far out of my normal behavior to be doing this. It's just that the, even the idea of me, for me, it's like, wait, I think about like telling myself as a little kid, you know, when I was a little, I wanted to either make movies or write or do something creative. And now I get to make these bedtime story podcasts, which is different. But if I was to tell the little kid version of me, like one day you'll grow up and be able to tell bedtime stories for a job, at least right now, I'd be like, okay, I can't wait. That sounds great. Uh, so yeah, it's just been an interesting journey. When did you realize that uh, there was something happening in terms of like attention you were getting? Because you know every podcaster is like they start it, and it's just like, is anyone listening? I don't even know if this is going to be successful. And I imagine it was like that. Um, but I'm wondering where that inflection point where you're like, wait a minute, like people are noticing, and 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 I'm getting feedback I, I wasn't expecting. Yeah, so I kind of I. Like I said, I had consumed a lot of podcasts and listened to a lot of stuff about podcasting. So I had the general sense that for someone that has doesn't have an audience, it'll take about two or three years of yeah. consistent releasing to develop any kind of audience. So I had set two years. I wanted to try to make the show for two years no matter what and uh, and just see what would happen. And I was questioning, am I capable of following through on this idea and developing it? Versus, is it going to work out? I mean, there was definitely parts of me that were like, why isn't this working out? Or when is this going to end in disaster? But when I was calm enough, I was like, oh, can I can can I just keep going for two years and then kind of assess things? And that did give me some kind of freedom to not worry about uh, interaction or downloads as much as I probably would have if I didn't have that anchor. I mean, Mm -hmm. I still did. uh, But yeah, it took a while. Like, I think I can remember the first time I got a piece of feedback that just stuck out to me. It was like July. So after I had like made the show for like maybe nine months and I was like, yes, I got an email. Like, uh, I remember I was like at a hotel and I was like, holy cow, like this is so cool. And, and I don't think it was my first piece of feedback, but yeah. it was just the one I was like, holy crap, somebody actually cares enough to email me and, and give me some, I don't even remember what it's about. So it was slow. And I remember just getting to the two years and be like, uh, well, is this podcast going to be something I do as a hobby or is it going to be something that like I should look at like monetizing as people say, but either way at two years, I was like, well, there's no reason I should quit this. Like there's no reason I shouldn't keep going like because people are listening. So for me, it's always really been a slow, steady thing of like an email once every few months to an email once a month to an email every week, uh, or tweet, you know, or whatever, however people reach out. Um, it it really has been that like story that people say of like, just keep consistently doing it and respecting your audience and trying to get better. In my case, it it has really paid off. Not, I mean, so it sounds like nine months before you started getting any inkling that, that this was resonating with people. Yeah, I think I probably got some before that. Yeah. And I remember watching the stats and being like, holy cow, 10 people downloaded the show. I'm, I'm into the double digits. Like, I'm the big time now. 
It was so, so it's so funny that you say that, Drew, and it's so important because you know occasionally I pop into some of the forums we're part of, you know, podcast movement and podcasters hang out, and and there's inevitably the new podcasters like, hey, I just released my show, it's four episodes, how come I'm not getting any downloads? <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, dude, you better just be in it for the long haul, and you better be, love what you're doing because it's like if you're looking for that immediate like hit, then you're, you're probably doing the wrong thing. Yeah, yeah, I think like it. I can't, I like, I don't know if I would have the strength to do it again, to be honest. Like Mm -hmm. when I look back, I'm like, I don't know how I did it. Cause it it was like, I was like, man, yeah, there was four or five people listening to the show and I wasn't hearing from anyone. And I, I I don't, I'm not super critical in my early episodes, but I could hear myself asking for reviews Mm -hmm. or asking for emails. And I could just hear that back thing in the back of my mind. And so in my voice of like, no one's going to email or review your show. And and like that, I was just doing it in some sense because I was supposed to, or because like I wanted the feedback and I wanted to keep getting the habit of asking. I don't see it as courageous at the time, but when I see it in other podcasters, I say, you know, it's really brave to be asking for stuff when you're new. Like, even if it's just reviews or say, Hey, go ahead and email me about the show because it really is hard starting out because it is this, it can be a bit of a wilderness. And I think it's a challenge that creatives find. A lot of people, you know, designers and artists and painters and, you know, whatever, bloggers, podcasters, you know, they're really good at their craft. But when it comes time to like for the self-promotion, it's like we all shrink back and we're like, ah, you know, I don't know. Like, I don't know if it's good. I don't know if I'm good enough. I don't know if anyone's listening. And it's, I think that's a challenge. A lot of, you know, just sticking with podcasters, we find that like, it's hard to talk about our stuff. So we, but we have to promote it, right? We have, if we don't, feel proud enough of our show to, to talk about it then like who else is at the beginning right like i think at the beginning and and as you're developing an audience it's like in some sense you get into a place where you also start to um let your audience know that it's important like that they have the power it's like wow writing a review or just retweeting or mentioning the podcast is huge hugely powerful yeah because that word of mouth is literally the key to podcasting growth uh, 99% of the time. It's so funny because your show is one of the ones I always um, have as an example of like, what are some of the most interesting types of podcasts out there? Well, did you know that there's a podcast (laughs) called Sleep With Me when we're, you know, Drew's objective is to make you go to sleep. (laughs) And they're like, what? When did you realize that like you... Because your your show has transcended podcasting, like because now, like, you've, and, I, and I'm sure you've had interviews about it. But uh, when when did that start happening, and what was that like when people outside of the podcasting world were taking notice? Well, I think it's interesting with, with the sharing you mentioned because every in the first few years of doing the show, every time I went to like a podcasting meetup, you know, you sit in this circle and everybody takes turns introducing themselves, and I'm already like kind of introverted, so I'd be like, "Yeah, my name's Drew." I make a bedtime story podcast for grownups called Sleep With Me. Okay, that's it. Thanks. And, and, and people will be like looking at me. And then someone would be like, I'm sorry, what did you say? And I'm like, oh, it's like a bedtime story podcast for grownups called Sleep With Me. And they'd still be like, hmm. And then after I got warmed up like two hours into the thing, I might say something goofy. And then people will be like, oh, it's like a, it's a goofy podcast. Like, like oh, and they'd be like, oh, okay, now I finally get it. And I like, I think like, in one sense, the, the the difficulty to communicate what my podcast is has become like what makes it easier to communicate about mm-hmm. it, and makes it people curious because it's like, wait a second, what? Is it like a guru like saying, 
uh, yes, put your feet on the floor. And, and I, I'm not, I mean, that works for some people and stuff uh, yeah. or that like, yes, I have the pow- sleep power within me and I'm transferring it to you or whatever. Um, but, uh, like, like, so then they're like suspicious and the suspicion maybe drives their curiosity and they're like, oh wait, it's kind of something that's strange and harmless and well-intentioned. Mm-hmm. And so then they're like, oh, I want to find out more. And then if they find out more very quickly, I think when people listen to the podcast, they, within a few listens, will be like, okay, this is for me or it's not for me. Yeah, exactly. and, and so my audience is kind of self-selecting too. And that helps with the word of mouth. Like, uh, and, and, and usually, yeah, like the people that dislike it within eight minutes, they'll be emailing me <laughs> on their first listen. So, so I'm like, okay, I got you off. Like, I don't have to worry about you disliking the show beyond this point anyway. So they actually go out of the way, even though they, they don't like the show to email you. Yeah. There's a certain percentage of people that my podcast enrages. I think, I, I think it's like maybe like a, a certain type of it seems to be a certain type of bully or disgruntled person. Yeah. And yeah, they have to reach out to me and let me know how upset they are that I dared to try to put them to, or how presumptuous. And I I, I mean, I usually just ignore those, but, uh, I'm like, yeah, I didn't realize I could get you so angry by putting you to sleep for free. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's so That's so funny. You mentioned that literally like today I sent, I sent an email out to, to folks on my email list. And one guy, in all caps, he's like, check your misspelling. Oh, you know, exclamation point, exclamation point. And I was like, I, I didn't, I checked through it. There was nothing misspelled. And it was, it was just a weird, like, I'm, I just removed him from the list. I was like, it was like you said, like you hit some, you catch some people at the wrong time. And they just feel like they need to, they need to tell you what's on their mind or something like that. Yeah. I think sometimes as podcasters, like you're just, um, happen to be the one person in somebody's way when they're having a bad day or, or like the convenient target to lash out at. Yeah. Uh, so for me, I'm like, okay, I, I could like, especially I'm like, I, if you're only listening to seven minutes and you're out, that's great. Cause I don't have to worry about, I know the people that are staying around are more interested in the content. What's one of the nicest pieces of feedback you've received so far? Oh man. So- like, uh, just people that have like really, are really struggling, like, uh, whether they've lost a loved one mm. or suffered some kind of intense abuse or, or something like that. Like wow. those are recent ones, like, and they can't sleep and, 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 you know, they're trying to get through a healing process and part of healing is getting some rest. Uh, but you know, whatever the recent trauma was, is keeping them awake and, and, Sometimes the podcast can put them to sleep and sometimes it could just be a friendly voice for them to kind of listen to and to take their mind off of stuff for a little while. And either way, I mean, it's so humbling. Like for me, I'm like, man, like I'm usually rendered speechless uh, and it just touches my heart. And then it it makes me say, "Okay, let's let's get back to work. Let's let's keep at this. Yeah, it's something that would just keep you moving, like just a couple of those. And you're like, "Okay, I'm. And you, it, it, we talk a lot about in podcasting about this contract we have with our listeners. And I think when you receive emails and, and, and feedback like that, it just validates that. And it and it gets it's the fuel, right? It's the fuel that keeps us going. Yeah, yeah. Like that contract with listeners, I like that. Like if like, yeah, I want this to be a part of your life and, and I'm willing to kind of try to keep it on schedule and to be here on a regular basis and to maintain a level of quality in content if you're willing to give me your time 
and uh, like I'm willing to do my best to keep it and and keep up the contract in this case to to kind of maintain the odd principles that drive my show, but it, like uh, to put you to sleep or to keep you company in the deep dark night. That's what I always say on the show. When did the when did you start having conversations with uh, sponsors? Let's see, probably around two years into the show. I might have heard from. Um, I think the first time I heard from somebody was maybe before that, but I was like super paranoid. Like I think I had read too much in the, like the internet forums. So I was like, Oh man, this is coming. You're just trying to exploit me and my audience. And, and, uh, like I was reading way too much into it. It, it was a company that isn't really into podcast sponsorships anyway, yeah. instead of like kind of looking at it as like an even exchange of like, Oh, uh, especially with direct response sponsors, like, Oh, we just kind of want access to your audience to see if it'll drive, sales of our product or whatever, but it's hard. Like you say, when you put your heart and your soul into this contract with listeners, you want to protect that relationship yeah. the best you can. Uh, but like sponsorships and other means of, uh, revenue are what keeps shows sustainable over the long term. after those first few years when you're like, okay, I have to find a way to justify this time after like two or three years, can't keep putting all this time in. If it's a hobby, I could put like this many hours a week into it, but not the the amount we put into our shows. Uh, think, yeah. So the question everyone want, wants to know is: Are Casper mattresses really that comfy? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I actually like. I'm literally debating with my mom right now of which Casper. So I believe in it so much. She's like, oh, "Well, I don't know if I'm comfortable with you buying us a mattress." Like, and I'm like, "No, mom, but, uh, like it's." Uh, so so comfortable. I will put my mom in one. <laughs> That's a great tagline. It's yeah. a fun, uh, you know Leah Tao. She's the host of Strangers. Yeah, she, yeah. She, she she you know she had them as a sponsor, and she you know she had her, the box came, and you know that it's fun when you can incorporate it into you know the normal conversation. I think she had her 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 daughter or son playing with the box, and he was hey, what do you think about this? And he's like, oh, it's cool. You like it? And he was more concerned with the box than the mattress. <laughs> so that was funny. But uh, when I had heard when I heard that Casper was sponsoring your show, I'm like, this is so genius. And I don't know who was happier, you or Casper, because talk about finding the perfect show <laughs> for their product, man. Well, that was like a word of mouth situation. Like, I think they had run a test on the podcast a long time ago, but uh, the founder of Casper was at a barbecue and someone came up to him and was like, hey, how come you don't sponsor Sleep With Me podcast? And he was like, uh, uh, and like he literally at a Sunday night at like 5 p.m. my time, I got an email hey, I'm the founder of Casper. I was just wondering. And I was like, holy crap. Wow. Like, and he was like, I was just at this barbecue and someone asked why I don't sponsor, we don't sponsor your podcast. And and yeah, that's kind of how our relationship ended up like uh, through a word of mouth channel versus a business channel. So direct so direct connection with him. I thought I had thought maybe it was like through mid-roll or something like that. Yeah, was originally it was like they had run a test like through another podcast okay. buying agency, but it was like so early on in my show. And yeah, and then we reconnected through all the regular channels. But it was like, uh, it was just very funny. I was like, holy cow. Like, uh, that's the biggest, I think that's the biggest email I've ever got. <laughs> and and I'm assuming that's that's been a, a great relationship and a great partnership. Yeah, it's nice with podcasting, uh, being able to work with products that you believe in. Like, I think that's when the host read reads our work is like, if it's like, oh, this is a product I use mm -hmm. and that I'm excited about. 
And because podcasts have a lot less ads, you're able to kind of pick and choose and say, oh, I don't know um, if I'm comfortable with this or that'll work for my audience and stuff like that. Have you come across, I imagine what happens with success is everyone tries to copy it as well. So inevitably there must be other shows now that have tried to copy your model. <laughs> yeah, I think like it's kind of hard. I think there's shows that are like do like uh, public domain stuff okay. or more boring stuff. I don't know if anything, it, it's just such a grind, you know, like it's like, I, I think if anybody copies something, yeah. it's like, okay, if you're still copying it in two or <laughs> a year or two, then it's like, bravo, like, I, I, like keep going. Like, uh, but it's like, there's not really a lot of, uh, instant gratification in podcasting anyway. Yeah. So I'm always like, well, like give it a shot. Like, uh, I mean, as long as you're not directly copying me. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Did did you start to establish relationships with other podcasters? You know, we talked about the meetups, but you know, are there's are there some others where you you sort of connect with them on a on a more regular basis? You know, we all need to have this like network of of people that know what we're doing, and that's some of the benefits of going to the conferences because we're all it's our tribe, right? We're all speaking the same language. So I'm wondering if on a smaller scale you have like you know maybe some sort of mastermind or or, or people that you you look to for guidance. Yeah, I have people that I'll like run stuff by. Actually, like the the person I run m most ideas by is someone, uh, Jonathan Mann. He d he's famous for making a song a day, okay. and he's done some podcasts, uh, and he does like jingles for my show. But he's usually a person like if I'm sending out any e business emails and I'm not sure, or like I'm like, hey, can you just read this email to make sure it's not crazy, like, uh, or to like rewrite it for me. So I think it's like good, or or if you have some out of the box ideas to run it by somebody and be like, hey, what do you, do you think this would work? And and have them say, well, I see the I see the uh, potential of that idea. Uh, so he's one person. Uh, I think a lot of people I've met at the conferences, like people like Jonathan Oak, Oaks, and yeah. like people like that are just uh, good people to stay in touch with. And then there's also like, this is not what you asked, but like I just think about like shows that I really enjoy. Like I'm always doing like probably four times a year, I'll do like a, almost a tribute episode mm. to a podcast. And it's not even a cross promotion. It's just like, man, I love this podcast. So I'm going to try to do an episode influenced by it. And I don't even usually, usually I let the person know, but just so I have their permission, like, or it's like, hey, is this going to be okay with you versus um, like, hey, this is an opportunity for you to promote me. It's more like, hey, I love your show and I want to share it with my audience in a kind of unique, fun way. Yeah, I think it's this idea of like always, always giving back and just just looking for opportunities to promote because that's sort of like this community that we have. Like we all want to help each other. And when I see you succeed, when I see Jonathan succeed, you know, when I see all of our friends succeed, you know, who've like been podcasting or you know around the same amount of time that you know that two to four year mark, and it's just fun. You know, it's just Jen Briney and Liz Kovart yeah. and just all these amazing amazing folks just and it's just like every like we're all kind of i felt like there's like an earlier wave of like cliff ravenscraft pat flynn johnny dumas and then there's like a new wave and then we, that we all started i started in 2014 and i just i don't know i just i feel like i, I don't know what to call it a, a proud papa moment or just this like proud to be part of this like even just to have, call some of these people my friends I'm, i just feel so honored and, and so happy when they succeed yeah, I, I think there's like something to that when people like talk about, I, I mean, I know there's like, it's important to market your podcasts and stuff, but I feel like when I've talked about podcasts, I, I like, there is like this strange indirect karma, like, and then like, I, I'll notice like, uh, 
four or five months later, somebody that I didn't even know listen to my podcast starts talking about it. I'm like, holy cow, they listen to my podcast. Like, and then I'm like, and they might have a bigger audience or something and it, and it has an impact on my show or it just, it just makes you feel good. Like, and podcasts really are like, they really do feed people and you get a chance. Like I was talking at Podfest, your Leah Tao interview, I always point to as one that it's like, Oh, it's just, it's just such a good analysis of the show and, and just hearing her thoughts about it, yeah. but also just some of her more subtle thoughts about journalism and mm-hmm. structuring. Like I had never heard Leah talk about it in that way, except in your interview. And because I, I, when people are like, Oh, I think I want to do kind of a narrative show, but it's not journalism, but it's storytelling, but it's not an interview. And I'm like, Oh, listen to that interview oh, because it, it's, it's just, she, she talks about it in just such an easy to understand way, even with like the struggle of like, Oh, is this okay to, mm-hmm. to structure it in this way? Well, yeah, if, if you're telling a story, it is. Yeah. I think that's, thank you for that. That's, that, that's, that's nice to hear the Leah Tao interview. And, and this is something for new podcasters all the time. I say, just start and create this platform for you to just connect with people that you, who you want to know better. And I just was fascinated by the world of podcasting. And I, I use the example of uh, being John Malkovich. It's like you're in his, he's in his own head and I'm talking a podcast that's talking about podcasting <laughs> with other podcasters, going to podcasting conferences. But Leo was just one of my like podcasting heroes because I loved strangers and we met at Podcast Movement and I said, I'd love to have you on the show. She's like, I live in LA. She's like, I live in LA. She's like, oh, I live in Silver Lake. She's like, I live in Silver Lake. <laughs> I was like, I, I live here. She's like, I live like 10 minutes away from you. <laughs> and she's like, let's just do it in my house. And I was like, you know, wow. It, I mean, to have that happen in the span of like a, a 10 minute conversation that you, you know, someone that you didn't, you, you're walking over to say hi to her and 10 minutes later, you have an interview scheduled <laughs> at her house. I was like, whoa. <laughs> so, you know, I, you can tell I was, I was nervous, but I felt it was important to capture that like nervousness on, on the air. And I was like, I grabbed my zoom and I recorded myself walking and knocking on the door. I kind of like felt like I wanted it to be like her shows where she interviews people and, um, I, I I told you the story, but for the listener, I was having her monitor and with my headphones, and I felt like a total like you know this imposter syndrome was kicking in hardcore. And I, and she was like, I was like, I gave it to her, and she ended up monitoring my interview with her, which I thought was funny. <laughs> so 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 it's so, so always interesting when you get to to meet he- heroes, and I wonder if you've had that experience where you've met people that you've admired in the space. Yeah. I mean, I got the opportunity to speak at PodCon in Seattle and like, I, I, that was like everybody that I looked up to almost was there. Like, uh, like Jeffrey and Joseph from Night Vale have Mm. been a a huge influence and just watching the things they've done and the way they behave in the podcasting space and Justin McElroy and the other McElroys, uh, like Justin was like kind of one of those people that just gave me some advice early on, like just keep going and kind of know why you're doing stuff. And so I've just always looked up to him and then Roman Mars mm. and, uh, Lauren and, and Phoebe from criminal. Yeah. So, so it was just like, uh, Aaron Mackey from lore. So just being able to see and interact with some of those people and just see that they're just like, uh, it, they're just podcasters. Like there wasn't like a lot of talk about downloads or, or, you know, there wasn't like, they're like, yeah, we're the big podcasters or whatever. It was like, people were just talking about the podcast they were listening to, the podcast that they, they loved and, and, and they just seemed so excited about the future of podcasting and keeping reaching down and lifting people up to the, to the next level of their platform and saying, Hey, 
we want to make sure everyone has a voice in this. And, uh, you know, the more widely we cast the net for people telling their stories or their diverse perspectives, the better it's going to be for pod, better for our ears, like the richer our listener experience is going to be, but the better it's going to be for podcasting as a whole. I've heard interesting things about PodCon because it was it's not like any of the other podcasting conferences. Dave Jackson was talking, uh, I heard him on Paul Colligan's podcast and I've heard Rob uh, Greenlee speak about it as well. What was your experience? Because it was really like, uh, it's almost like the Comic-Con model and people were dressed up and I, I heard it was uh, a whole nother experience. Yeah, it was just, it, it was really like uh, the experience you have when you get a really touching email from a listener, like amplified because you're able to watch people you know, go up to their podcasting heroes, like, dr yeah, dressed as a character, yeah. e excited, and go into a room with, like, four, I don't even know, three, four, five thousand people cheering, wow. uh, like, for Sawbones, uh, when Sydney and Justin took the stage, and, and then go to a panel and have people asking, like, really insightful questions uh, about podcasting from the listener perspective uh, that make you think in a different way than, than from the producer side of it. And just seeing the enthusiasm of people that listen to the podcast and then are have been listeners for a while and are inspired, I think Dave Jackson was talking about, to make their own podcast, yeah. it was like, uh, it, it was just super exciting. Like, or I was like, man, like, I am so lucky to be in this space making something and I'm so glad I kept at it, like, uh, uh, and kept going uh, to get to this point. You touched upon this idea of being a self-proclaimed introvert, and I'm curious, like as you've as the show has grown and you're in the public eye more, you know, in our you know in our podcasting world at least, do you find that that's something that you're learn how to handle better, or are you less of an introvert? You know, you know, it's almost like there's something there, like podcasting as therapy for introverts or something. <laughs> like, I wonder, I wonder if that's been the case for you. It's funny, like, uh, so I went to podcast movement this summer. And that one, I had a plan like where I was like, okay, in the middle of the day, I'm just going to go back and take a nap to my hotel. And I was staying like a couple of hotels away. So I was able to escape. And then I crossed paths with some other introverts. So we were like, hey, let's meet for dinner. And like, you know, like keep it quiet. Maybe we won't even talk. It's, <laughs> and so like I was able to get recharged and, uh, that's funny. And like, uh, and so I could enjoy the conference uh, parts and the and the and the uh, kind of networking or whatever. At Podfest, it, it's like almost such a family feel, like yeah. like a therapeutic thing that like uh, I think I almost overdid it, like because I was so comfortable like chatting and then being like, oh, okay, let's go grab something to eat, or oh hey, I'm just gonna pop in here and see who's sitting around, strike up a conversation with them. Like it was so conducive to feeling comfortable that I think I would just went nonstop and then I would get back to my hotel room and I'm like, I wouldn't be able to fall asleep for like four <laughs> hours. Cause I was like, my brain was still processing all those conversations. But I think making a podcast constantly challenges you to step outside your comfort zone, or at least for me, it has, uh, if you want it to succeed or if you want it to grow, it's like, as you grow as a person, your ability to make content and improve the show grows. And so for me, a lot of times if I wasn't making a podcast, I'd be able to avoid a lot of this stuff. Like, oh, I ju I'll just uh, hang out with the friends I know. Like, I don't need to be going to conferences and meeting new people. Yeah. Uh, or I don't need to, like, go on an interview and, and uh, like, like just wing it and just talk and have a conversation. Like, well, I could just totally avoid that. But with the podcast, it's, like, constantly 
having these new experiences. And then for me, as someone that kind of can overthink things or overimagine it, be like, oh, you see, it wasn't as bad as you imagine. Like, mm-hmm. uh, uh, like speaking at PodFest, like I'd never spoken in a, in, in a big group of people like that before. And afterwards, I was struck by like, wow, there isn't really a way to prepare for it. Like, it's like, oh, now I have this experience. I know what it's like. But when I was imagining what it was like, it was just imagining. It wasn't real. And so, I don't know. I feel like there's so many intangibles that have made me expand as a person from making the show uh, when people talk about monetization and stuff, I'm like, man, like I've gotten a humanization out of making oh, this podcast, good. like more than millions of dollars. Like, uh, like, uh, it's made me an, an adult in some sense. Wow. That's the first time I've heard people, you, you talked about how to, the humanization of the show as opposed to the monetization of the show. And that resonates with me so much because it's like, that's really where the, the one-to-one interaction is, you know, if you just think about it as this sea of listeners, faceless entities, but the fact that you go to these conferences and you connect with people and you see the fans and now the friends and the community, I think uh, if you're if you're in it for the humanization, I think then then that's going to pay off and, and it's going to reap re- rewards for you all the time. Exactly, yeah, because it's like you can hear it in your interviews, like like that you're curious, like it, and that it's like this. I don't know, this might not be the right word, but like the sly curiosity where you're like, oh, I want to I want to learn more yeah. about this and I want to get in there and find out a little bit more. And it, it it triggers something, yeah, beyond words in in the listener, like where it's like, huh, oh, I want to lean in and listen to this. Like I'm glad this is up against my brain. Yeah. Uh and that like that stuff, yeah, you can't really plan it out and you can't really be like, uh, yeah, how am I gonna structure this show? It, it's like it is this vibration inside it and it's driven by kind of being vulnerable and uh kind of trying to uh explore the world i guess i did have a this was in chicago podcast movement i had someone come up to me i don't know if i knew about your show at the time but she's like i fall asleep to your podcast and i was (laughs) like what are you talking about she's like oh i played out loud on speaker and your voice is so soothing and and i fall asleep and my husband comes in he's like who's that on your phone (laughs) (laughs) So I had that was like uh, my mini Drew moment before I, I probably I had even met you. But I, I mean, that's it's a just it just speaks to this relationship that you have with your with your listeners and and how like they really like make you part of their of their day, you know, or of their of their night in your case. Yeah, like I always think about it, like how trusting somebody that's listening to my podcast is. Like I, I give them a great deal of credit because it's like. I wouldn't listen to my podcast. I'd be like, wait, this dude wants to put me to sleep. Like, who does he think he is? Like, what's it? What is he going to try to, you know, convince me to buy some sort of, uh, you know, s- like uh, sleep vitamins or something yeah, halfway yeah. through it? What, what is he up to? This is this is can't be so or just like being in your bed. It, it's a vulnerable place to be. Yeah. And so and then to put somebody right up against your ears, right it right again, real close to your brain where they could talk about anything. It, it either takes a great deal of courage or sometimes for my listeners like desperation. Hmm. And, and so, yeah, I, I hold a great deal of respect for those boundaries. Have you been digging into the new Apple stats? I wonder, you probably get the best stats in terms of listen to the end of the episode because they fall asleep. So it's just naturally goes all the way to the end. <laughs> yeah, it's been interesting. Like, uh, I haven't like dug super deep, but it feels like, uh, 
the percent like there's a lot of people re-listening to the episode so yeah. it's causing those like over 100 percent completion yeah, rates yeah, yeah. and like the graph will even change like after a week coming out there'll be one graph but then after people re-listen it, it kind of levels the graph back out so it's like I, I had suspected that i was like man and i was hoping for, for that in the apple stats to be like how many people are re-listening to these i mean we don't really have a total clear idea of that but at least it's like, okay, my suspicions are correct that there's a lot of people re-listening over and over again. It's interesting because I've done that as well. I've listened to a couple, you know, there's a podcast, like a couple that I've listened to and I've fallen asleep and then, then obviously you wake up and you missed a part of it. So you go back and you replay it. So uh, that's interesting. A uh, cu- couple of questions as we wrap up. What's something you've changed your mind about recently? Whew, what have I changed my mind about recently? I guess like uh, I would have to say, wow, what have I changed my mind about recently? I don't know. Let me perc- ask me another question. Yeah. Let me percolate <laughs> on that one. What's the one most misunderstood thing about you? I think like that. I don't know. I think that sometimes maybe listeners think that I take the podcast too seriously, which I do take it very seriously. And I put a lot of work into it, but I take it seriously in a way that it's precious and something fragile that I don't want to damage versus mm-hmm. like something I'm holding so tightly. So, so I think like I'm protective of the podcast, but I, I think sometimes the listeners might think that I'm like overstressed or mm-hmm. to, to, to the breaking point, but, but I feel like I have pretty good balance on that. Any, any thoughts on what you've changed your mind about? You know, this actually it was pretty recently, like this year I cut my show back from, uh, three episodes a week to two episodes a week because I just didn't feel like it was sustainable. Mm-hmm. And I was so resistant to that decision. Like, like I was like, no, like in the, you know, this budgeting part of me and the organized part of me was like, we just can't sustain this. Like, yeah. it's just like, look at how many hours you're working and, and all this. And wh- what are you doing? Like, uh, how, we can't keep the space up. And I was like, I don't care. It's best for the listeners. This is show. The show's working. We're not changing anything. Mm-hmm. And I was like, absolutely not. This is going to be a disaster. And then, you know, I floated the idea with the listeners and the listeners was like, no, whatever's best for the show we want you to do. And then I was still like, I'm like, no, 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 this is my vision. Like, I don't care. Even with the rest of it, it was like an internal argument, but I was like, no, no. And it just was like the most, it was like, listen, man, like what's best for the podcast versus like what you're being stubborn about. And also like, Hey, this is a decision we can always change. Let's see how it yeah. goes. And switching to two episodes a week was like the best decision I've ever made. Like, uh, like I've never been happier. Like, uh, it's just made it so much easier to get all the other work that goes into the show done. And I think the quality of the show over the long term, it'll be a benefit. Uh, so sometimes I could just be so stubborn, uh, and not open-minded. It's like, Oh, this is my vision. And I get tunnel vision instead of being like, Hey, let's try this on and see how it goes. So, yeah, that was something I was really. I, I, now I'm like, man, why didn't I do that like a year ago? <laughs> I get, I get the sense that type of person that has a lot of these inner dialogues. You mentioned the earlier one on the bus. <laughs> yeah, twenty four seven. Well, Drew, um, thank you so much um, for taking the time to come on. Uh, I just, I loved the the opportunity to tell your story. I, I think what you're doing is absolutely wonderful, um, and I love the the podcasting world has allowed us to just like meet and and we all get to know each other better at these conferences and and that's why you know i usually like to 
at least say hi to people in person once or twice and before come, having them come on. And, and I know, you know, we've had uh, just a, that brief interaction, but I, you know, I could just tell that it was going to be fun. Um, and I'm just, I'm really grateful and appreciative for you to take, taking the time to come on. Yeah, thank you. I guess I never thought about it. Like I had you, at, like I, I had you at a disadvantage because I've listened to all your episodes. So it's like, you know, when you meet a listener, they're like, I know everything about you. And you're like, well, I like, like, uh, so I've like, probably, this is like a really comfortable, uh, interview for me. And I appreciate you having me on. It's, uh, it's always great to see you. Cause if you can't see Harry in person, he's got like this very calming, smiling presence. And he's always, seems like he's kicked back and relaxed and in conversation with somebody. So, so like you could be like a really relaxing presence. So, uh, yeah, it's cool to come on your show. Thank you. So where's the, the best place for folks to track you down so they can get, get help with their, their sleeping issues? Yeah, they could go to uh, wherever you listen to your podcast, if it's on Apple Podcasts or whatever app you use, or I'm on Twitter at Dearest Scooter, uh, or my website is uh, sleepwithmepodcast.com. Is there a story behind Dearest Scooter? Yeah. Uh, oh, sit back, Harry. This interview's not <laughs> over. Uh yeah, I was like terrified when I was starting the podcast, even leading up to it. I was like, oh, like that imposter syndrome, I guess you said. Yeah. And it was like, oh, you don't know what you're doing and you don't know how to perform. And how are you going to relax and get over the performance anxiety? And I was like, well, what if I use a pseudonym? Uh, would that help you? Like, again, another internal conversation. I was like, hey, well, how do you feel about that? And it's like, well, that'd be totally imaginary because it doesn't make a difference. And I was like, but OK. And then so. I had a, had been writing something under that name anyway. So I was like, oh, that is kind of like a relaxing name, Dearest Scooter. So I was like, if that helps me, that little trick to relax and and be able to be a little bit more relaxed and and open to experimentation when I was recording, I was like, okay, let's do it. And uh, I guess, yeah, it worked out. Like, uh, like So it was just something fun. I think they gave me one more layer to get past that in performance anxiety or imposter mm -hmm. syndrome. Well, thank you for sharing that. I'll, I'll I'll tease it out in my intro now, and I'll say if you want to learn the origin story, <laughs> you'll have to you'll listen to the end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks again. I really appreciate your time. All right, thanks, Harry. Hey, have a great weekend. So, thanks again to Drew for coming on the show. We actually met at the first Podfest that I went to two years ago, so that would be two thousand and sixteen. Uh, 2017, sorry, losing track of the years here. And then this year again, 2018's event, uh, we met again and then we spoke a little bit more and I said, let's do this because we mentioned it last time, but I was just had met him in passing. So it just made for a much more enriching conversation. Full show notes are available at podcastjunkies.com forward slash 166. All the links mentioned, timestamps, uh, tweetable quotes so you can share the show and, uh, and anything else can be found there. And we put a lot of love into there. So please check that out. Intro and outro music composed by Cedar Soil. Cedar and Soil. You can check out his work at cedarsoil.com. Tune in next week for my conversation with Travis Chappell, host of Build Your Network. Travis and I were connected through my buddy John Corcoran because he had an event up in Santa Barbara. I attended and met Travis. Uh, I went on his show. He, he now returned the favor. And we talk about that experience. He's been a, a really great example of how to network properly. And we talk about a John Lee Dumas story that had him end up in Puerto Rico. So it's really, really good and really, really entertaining. He, he has a, a huge, hugely impressive roster of guests on his show, Build Your Network, the head of BNI and some other big, big networking names. And he's done that in a short period of time. So I'm really impressed with his work ethic. And we talk about that as well. 
Don't forget to sign up for our newsletter, podcastjunkies.com forward slash eight tools and spell it any way it's easy for you, podcastjunkies.com forward slash eight tools for our, the free PDF of the eight tools I've used to launch Podcast Junkies, and it's been recently updated. Thanks for waiting this long for the retention hashtag. It is hashtag sleep with Drew, D-R-E-W, and his Twitter handle is a little different. It's Dearest Scooter, D-E-A-R-E-S-T, Scooter, S-C-O-O-T-E-R, one word, tag Drew. And tag us at podcast underscore junkie, junkie, not jankies, podcast underscore junkies. Thanks so much for all you do to support the show. Love you guys. See you next week or hear you or you will hear me next week. You know what I mean?